0: Nice. Oh, man, that song is timeless. It's just completely timeless. It just says to me that really nobody remembers the 17th or 18th Nervous <laughs> Breakdown. 19th was, was the the one.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. And you kind of got to wonder why they picked the 19th to write about, you know? Right, because
0: they didn't need it to rhyme with anything. This is true, this, this is true. So, which makes me think there had to have been an actual 19th Nervous Breakdown oh, yeah. for which to reference. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of funny that
1: the... the Of course, that was 19th Nervous Breakdown by the Rolling Stones. Of course. It was uh, a single released in February of 1966. It was written uh, during the Stones' 1965 tour of the U.S., and you kind of. You know, you have to ask yourself, what did they experience touring the U.S. in 1965 <laughs> that made them write nerve- 19th Nervous Breakdown? You know, well, as opposed it to the 5th or 6th or <laughs> 17th or whatever. Right. You know? Well, in
0: the mid to late 60s, uh, from what I have seen in the history carvings, yes. uh, was an interesting time in this country. Yeah, <laughs> I got that impression. In the historical documents. Yeah. yeah,
1: political and social upheaval. Yep, yep. You know, that was, that was f- fermenting. Yep. F- uh, you know, obviously during the 1965 Rolling Stones tour of the United States. Mm-hmm. That was back when they could do like 15 minutes before the crowd like completely <laughs> went apeshit and overwhelmed the stage and they had to run for it. You uh-huh. know? That, that tour was rife with, uh, with stories of them being smuggled out of venues and vans. And I think there was one where they all piled into an ambulance and, uh, you know, took off. And, you know, Keith Richards, um, uh, you know, who is probably the greatest interview of all time, you know, as, has spoken at length about, you know, the early Stones tours that were just utter chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, if they could do 15 minutes before they had to make a break for it, <laughs> you know, that was like it was just a way back then, you know. Yeah. And it was kind of funny. We're going to we're going to collect our paycheck if we can if we can last for 15 minutes on sure, the stage with sure. the audience going absolute ape shit. You because know?
0: while they were, you know, while the Beatles were Really making the blueprint for what pop stars yeah. were to be modeled after. Yeah. The Stones, yeah. You know, even though you could throw in an argument that you know Elvis Presley kind of set that ball in motion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Rolling Stones really wrote. The blueprint of a rock and roll band. Oh and yeah, what the lifestyle was all Great, about.
1: Greatest bar band of all time. Yep, you know, and and yeah, I think uh, it was 1966 that the Beatles finally said, "We're not touring anymore. We're oh, yeah. not doing this." You know, <laughs> smartest move they could have made. Oh, I'm telling you, and, I, and you know, obviously, I think the Stones probably experienced. You know, whatever it was that like prompted the Beatles to say "No more of this crazy shit," right? You know,
0: well, some and, people run from fires and some people run towards them. Yes, <laughs> and
1: some people set them, which I think was the <laughs> yeah. Rolling Stones. You know, but uh, but yeah, we we open the show with a Rolling Stones tune for obvious reasons, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna we're gonna open up with something that you know is I think completely applicable, if not for what we're talking about for our second segment, this song would have. Been a great opener anyway for True. what the Biden administration is experiencing right now, uh, courtesy of the shit show uh, that is the Afghan pullout. And uh, welcome and, back, uh, my friends, to the yeah, show that never ends. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, is obviously uh, different. Uh, interpretations of it, but uh, but Johnny, I'm going to let you lead on this since uh, okay, well, I'm, since I'm, yeah, you're you're passionate about this situation, sure.
0: But I'm also I'm, I'm excited because this is the really the the archetype of the riffs and rants disagreement it truly between is. you and I. It
1: truly is, yeah.
0: And again, as always, our point is not to, well, hopefully not to. Convince anybody to think a certain way because yep. I could give two shits. Um, <laughs>
1: it's important to separate yourself from right, you but know. we
0: need to, to draw into contrast the different perceptions, Absolutely. really, Absolutely. Of, Absolutely. of what's going on. Which, unfortunately, as basic as that sounds, yeah. is not what you would get from any news show anywhere. Not at all. Right? And, and you
1: know, if there was truth in advertising, we'd call this the Rants and Riffs Show.
0: Because <laughs> you know? we're
1: going to rant first, and then uh, right, yeah.
0: All right, so... so here, let me have it, John. Let me have it. Look, here's my thing. I right. didn't vote for Biden. I didn't like Biden as a, as, as a politician. Okay. Um, if anything, I respected his political acumen for being relevant for this long on, on such a big stage. Sure. And I think in a twisted kind of way, I would have expected him, even in his ad- advanced years, yeah. to be not a bad president. Well, in a lot of ways, it felt like he he kind of
1: inherited the position. Um, Right. You know, again, he's, you know, he is the epitome of a career politician. He truly is. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you're, you know, fond of his record or not. Right. Um, And in a lot of ways, he was the heir apparent to... Barack Obama before Donald Trump came along, Mm -hmm. and uh, and now you know it's kind of like okay Joe you got the job right here's the (laughs) you know here's the shit burger
0: with cheese now that's Chow said okay to uh, to downshift and get right to the to the heart of the matter the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan and the effective end of that conflict which I'm not even sure has a name. Can we call it the Afghanistan (sighs) War or the you Is know, it it's the, the holding,
1: holding pattern, a holding notion, a, a preventative kind of thing. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, we're talking about 20 years. Yeah. I mean, 20 years. And obviously the meaning, you know, when this first happened, mm-hmm. you know, has evolved, uh, not necessarily for, for good. And, yeah, it became, you know, a completely different animal, I think, than what we set out to accomplish. Right. Uh, Obviously, it was yet another failed attempt on our part at nation building.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: And it it calls into question whether we're ever going to understand
0: the mindset of the Middle East. Which I think we're kind of in agreement that we're not. So I'm not going to focus on... The uh, the nation building. I'm not going to focus on the different cast of characters that we've got over there. Yeah. With little fringe groups and
1: whatnot. Billions of dollars that we pissed away on this. Let alone the the number. Well, I might touch on that. American (laughs) servicemen that have been lost. The private contractors that have been blown up. Here's the thing.
0: I'm going to look at this strictly from the uh, from a historically military perspective. okay. Okay. All right. When you go to War College and you're an officer in, in the services, let alone on the Joint Chiefs, okay, you've risen to that yeah. level, okay. you are obviously a scholar of war. You've gone yeah. to the War College. You've studied these different historical um, situations ad nauseum, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Everything from Rourke's Drift to Waterloo. You learn how to attack and you learn how to retreat, okay? Yeah. There's a right way to do both, okay? Yeah.
1: And you probably learned that most strategies go to shit in the first 10 minutes.
0: Right. Well, Mike Tyson taught us that. Everyone has a plan until you get punched (laughs) in the face, you know. Yes. But in this case, you know, there are many more different ways to attack an enemy than there are to retreat. Because when it comes to retreating, there are some very basic tenets involved. Yeah. You are
1: never more vulnerable. Then you are then when you are in and this is true mode. so yeah. it's
0: got to be well planned when you can okay but if nothing else has got to be organized and you do it in stages yeah what we're doing over there or what we wound up doing over there look we all knew that we were going to leave now the dates have been shuffled around yeah and I'm not going to call into contention the deals that former President Trump had made because right. the timelines have shifted from them yeah and I'm not faulting the current administration for even speeding up the timetable and getting us out earlier. Yeah. Okay. That's not my beef. Okay. My beef is the lack of planning that went into our actual scenario of retreating and leaving okay. the country for good. All right. Okay. Or
1: what what we're perceiving now given what's going on as a lack, lack of, of a plan. Planning. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: So <laughs> Like I said to you like pre-show, if you know that your enemy's greatest strength or their most successful um means of hurting you has historically been suicide bombers, yeah. okay? Yeah. Why in the name of God would you consolidate your forces into a tiny area of kind of a untenable position, very yeah. wide open spaces, a couple low-hanging yeah. buildings, um where you're torn between defending yourself and creating defensive positions as well as protecting tens of thousands of loosely uh, milling about civilians, right. all right, yeah. and protecting runways to facilitate this mass evacuation, right. as well as the aircraft, okay, which are now sitting in the middle of a, of a shooting gallery, yeah. you could not stumble onto, and it's something I mentioned earlier, like the scenario of, of Rourke's drift from the, uh, the Zulu engagement of the late 1800s, yeah. where 150 British guys in an indefensible position held off 4,000 Zulus, this is something you still learn about because of the lessons it taught you, that with proper planning, you could secure almost any position against any odds right. and successfully hold it, okay? Yeah. This is what, this is these people stock and trade. You're a military person. This is what you do for a living, okay? Right. And yet, we put our people in there, and when the time comes that a, you guessed it, suicide attack happens and we lose 13 servicemen, everybody's like, oh my God, how could this happen, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, we never saw this, we never saw this coming. Mm. This is so fucking ridiculous, I can't wrap my head around it. Now, look, I'm also going to say that when you put on the uniform to defend this country, with that comes an inherent risk, and you're paid to basically have your life on the line at all times. Okay. Sure. Yep. So I'm not buying into the narrative that these soldiers were... Murdered, per se. Right. Murdered is something that happens in the suburbs in cold blood, okay? Sure. Sure. This was an act of war. Yeah. And I, again, I, I blame the military hierarchy for not taking the steps to have a better strategy to protect our servicemen and women over there, yeah. and not putting them in the middle of what, what essentially is a fucking shooting gallery, okay? Yeah. They showed a clip once of one of these uh, C-130s taking off, and as it takes off, it lets loose... Um, a bastion of, of electronic countermeasures, uh, primarily the, um, the flare chafe. Right. Because they know that there are terrorists around the at. perimeter, yeah. right, yeah. going to shoot heat-seeking missiles at this plane, yeah. you know. So it's they're, they're aware of the threat and yet they kind of went at this with blinders on. Yeah. Now look, for time constraints, I'm not going to get into these 100,000 refugees that are now getting scattered across the globe that haven't been vetted properly and also haven't been immunized against COVID-19, whatever right. strain you choose of th- this week. Yeah. The whole thing from top to bottom was half-assed because at the 11th hour, it was rushed. Yeah.
3: The army doesn't like more than one disaster in a day. It looks bad in the newspapers and upsets civilians at their breakfast.
0: And like we talked about several episodes back, I believe in getting out of Afghanistan, and I see the higher purpose behind getting out of Afghanistan. Sure. I feel for the men and women that have served over there, and how they feel that perhaps their sacrifices and those of their comrades were all for naught. Yeah. And you do start to see a narrative now from certain individuals that tell them, look, no, it was not in, in vain. You kept the country safe for 20 years, right. okay? And as is normally the, the circumstance, our troops didn't let us down, okay? No, of course not. It's the politicians and, and, and these the, the cackling in the hallowed halls, <laughs> to, <laughs> to paraphrase a Pink Floyd song, Dogs of War. Right. Um, they're the ones that let us down, and they're the ones that continue to let us down. Yeah. And it's, it's nauseating, it's sickening. And, and because of this and the fact that I'm a true believer in the buck stops with the guy sitting behind the resolute desk. Yeah. I'm disgusted with Joe Biden because I expected more from him.
1: Yeah, that's understandable. And I mean, you know, in a lot of ways it's easy to to come to these conclusions 2020 hindsight. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that there was a plan going in and you know, God only knows how idealistic this plan was, you know, if all these things fall into place, blah blah blah. You know, of course, we made a target of ourselves. You know, it's kind of like a Pearl Harbor scenario where we, we made a target yeah. of ourselves. And, you know, again, in 2020 hindsight, who could you not see the suicide bombers coming?
0: How could you they know? not take Bagram Air Base, which is about 20 minutes north yeah. of Kabul, and everybody across the board says it's a much more defensible position, easier to hold, yeah. and they could have sat out there indefinitely until oh, yeah. this was done.
1: Yeah. But as you and I talked about, again, pre-show, um, and this is, you know, my uh, my bitch, I guess, is always my bitch, is I don't trust the media interpretation of what's going on over there of course right not. now. Uh, and I don't think we're really going to have a good idea, if we ever do, of what went on, what went down, what failed, you mm-hmm. know, what was idealistic and stupid.
0: But um, that's where, my friend, I believe the know, media can be held to the same account that most people that we interact with on a daily basis. Yeah. So much but we don't, as, we
1: don't hold the media to that. Well, account, here's the though, thing. You, know?
0: you, could, you could always find out the truth if you just sit and listen long enough. Because, look, in my opinion right now, where I'm at looking at the world, just yeah. from the people I deal with on a daily basis, both in my professional and personal life, Yeah. People are fucking stupid. Oh, of course. Right up the chain, okay? <laughs> okay? No matter what your pay grade is, you're, you're probably a bit of a fucking moron. Yeah.
1: This is the, you know, with the exception of Big Boom Radio. Oh, of, is, course. of course. This yeah. is, the, this is yeah. the think tank. Of course.
0: But even if you listen to these, these pundits and these news and whatnot talk yeah. long enough, yeah. they'll play their hand. Oh, of, okay? course. of course. Very simple um, example. I was watching Fox one night, and it was uh, some new anchor. I guess they were they were testing out. Yeah, and he's definitely one of the flag waving Fox, red, white, and blue. Right, Everything's right. you know beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and he had a uh, a liberal representative from Texas, one of the ones that fled the Capitol to avoid the vote. <laughs> and he had him on the ropes, and he was just hammering him, hammering him. Yeah. And the guy came back at him and very simply said, based on something the anchor had mentioned. Yeah, the um, he hooked him on and he says, So you feel Trump won the election? And this stupid ass, oh boy, could not. And the guy kept, he counterpunched, he kept counterpunching, Tell me Trump won, tell me Trump won, tell me you think Trump won. Yeah. He, said, he would not simply acquiesce and say, No, Trump fairly lost the election and moved on and could have kept hammering the guy. Interesting. So that's what I'm saying. If you watch all these shows and they're all the same. Yeah. It gets to a certain point where I don't know if it's personal ego or if it's marching orders from the director of the news service. Yeah. they will not acquiesce to anything to well, be no. wrong. Or- and it's
1: it's very interesting when the shit hits the fan how personal agendas, people's agendas, mm-hmm. are revealed. You know, and again, you know, my personal take based on experience is that we're not really going to know what really went on uh, with this evacuation and you know the end result of it. For many many years to come, you know, I felt that same way when Benghazi went down. We were, right. you know, there was so much misinformation. There were so many agendas at work, so many rocks being thrown at the earliest opportunity. I mean, we're talking about some fucking serious opportunists here, you know. And unless we hang back and let the whole thing play out, um, and then take a look at it, we're not gonna really know what went on. I mean, obviously, right. to a great degree, it's a shit show, you know. And it it's is. and it's it's easy to say, how could you have not seen the suicide bomber scenario coming? Um, but we don't know what intelligence was at work here. We don't know which agency or, or lack of intelligence, yeah, this is very very real possibility <laughs> that that was going on. Um, you know, I do feel I don't know a little a little bit let down uh, by the Biden administration um, that they couldn't apparently see this coming. Right. But again, I'm not trusting, and I never well, will look at this. again trust the media interpretation and the media spin, given that you know we don't get straight information anymore. Right.
0: You know, it's everybody's fucking agendas. Looking at it from a different perspective. All right. Taking emotion and everything else out of it. Yeah. There's, you know, in the corporate world, if there's a fuck up, somebody's going to own it. Okay. Oh, Oh, absolutely. And if it's a really big fuck up, it's going to be somebody at the top, board of directors or at least the the, the management staff. Mm. So, again, this was a, a catastrophic, okay? Yeah. Fuck up from start to finish. Now, who's going to lose their job? I'm waiting for somebody to be disciplined or to lose their job because all of the quote-unquote commanders on the ground are saying different things than these guys from, you know, Air Force One and the hallowed halls. There's a disconnect there, and there's this uh, video going viral about this Marine commander that issued some very articulate, however... (laughs) You know, just I, I what you're blank. talking about and yeah and he's been I, yeah. relieved of his command. And it's kinda like I'm of mixed feelings about that because yeah, you can't go publicly and yeah. and question, you know, your your superiors. That's sure. not how the military is supposed to work. No. However, he's got a point. How come nobody's being held accountable for this? Well, do you
1: get the feeling that you know when this is all settled, there are gonna be hearings, you know, there are gonna be investigations. And there's going to be all of that. There's going to be grandstanding by members of Congress, you know, to get to the bottom of this. Sure, all sort sure. of Bullshit. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, is the, you know, is the, the public
0: really going to get a hold of facts? And can we just one? strip Congress of this whole commission and hauling yeah. people in front of them? It's just... Which, mean, is,
1: which is all about agendas, you it, know, and let's it's see it's how much TV shit for, we I can mean, make stick to the
0: opposition. Right. Yeah. They've been doing this shit since they were trying to root out the Costa Austria in, in, in the 50s, okay, <laughs> really? which amounted to nothing. Yeah. And every time something comes around, I think the only fish they ever nailed was Nixon for Watergate. And depending who you ask, Reagan and, and the whole, you know, Iran-Contra. But other than that, have, like, congressional tribunals ever accomplished Anything you, some bitches, couldn't close an umbrella. Not to the
1: best of my knowledge. No, you know, and that's that's where where we're going. And it's a dog you know, and know, just, pony show. Yeah, disinformation is king. It's king, right? And unfortunately, yeah, you know, at least thirteen servicemen lost their lives. Yep. I'm not sure the total uh, number of Afghani's who lost their lives, but it's, well over a hundred. Well over, yeah. It's yeah. it's it far surpasses that number uh, of thirteen. It's a shit show. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, are we ever really going to know for, for sure what went on with this? Who planned this? Who was responsible well, for this? Well, I agree with
0: you. I think with time comes clarity, and there will be details that come out. But, yeah. of course, with that, it gives people to, to gird up you know, excuses and slants on the story and everything. So it's, yep. it's a mixed bag of shit.
1: There are more than a few uh, pundits, more than a few writers uh, who have covered, you know, the Middle East situation who have said, What did you expect? Yeah. You know, this has been a 20-year shit show. Mm-hmm. Did you expect it to end any other way?
0: Really? And, you know, look, there's, there's a great argument to be made for that. So I will just end this segment with, with two thoughts I have. All right. You know, in response to that, it was, it was going to suck either way. There is no excuse on God's green earth why they did not destroy the vehicles, the planes, the munitions, the technology which is now clearly going to fall in the hands of the Chinese and the Russians. Yep. They're going to reverse engineer it and gain all this free stuff. Can you say blowback? Yeah, Yeah. seriously. And yeah, you don't, you don't give a group like the Taliban $80 billion worth of total weaponry and not expect it to somehow come back at us yeah. somewhere down the road. Yeah. And then my last thought is, you know, I was already kind of a fan of uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw. Okay. Um, from when that stupid comedian Pete Davidson made fun of him because the guy's a wounded veteran with, with an eye patch okay, and his eyesight and his other eye is only about 30% as it is. All right? Davidson so made of, fun of him? Yeah. He said he, really? he looked like a, like a porn star or something. Oh. And eventually had to apologize on Saturday Night uh, Live and the whole thing. All right, yeah, I remember But that. Um, Crenshaw had two fantabulous quotes at the beginning <laughs> of this whole thing. The, the first one was when the uh, Taliban had... Uh, kind of issued us the the ultimatum, you know, you're out on the 31st or there will be consequences. Right. Okay? His direct response to that, and yes, it did have to be bleeped, was the only proper response from America to these dirty, savage terrorists should be go fuck yourself. <laughs> Man's got my vote right there. All right. And then later on, um, again, when it came to them saying, well, why can't we, we stay later just to get these Americans? And again, the Taliban hierarchy was saying, no, you've gotten until the 31st. He just very matter of fact, I think he was, it, it seemed like he was just passing through the halls of Congress and they caught him with a microphone yeah. and he says, um, if you get in our way, when we are extracting Americans, we will kill you. <laughs> Message. Hello. Yeah. Welcome to 2021 and yeah. life as the sole remaining superpower there's something I, about that bluntness right there yeah. that yeah, resonates. There, there's,
1: there's definitely a part of me that wishes that the situation was that black and white. It I, is, my I, friend. I, I, you I need to come over do. to the dark side, which <laughs> is actually the light side. <laughs> I'm going to give it some thought, Johnny. I'm going to give it some thought. Fair enough. That's all I can hope for. <laughs> oh, this is some heavy shit we're talking about today.
0: It is. And, yeah. and really, you know, I've said it many times in the past. I mean, as someone that has lost family members due to terrorism. Yeah. I automatically, yes, side with a certain philosophy when it comes to these matters. Understandable. And it's why I detest extremism in any form. Oh, Of, All course. Right?
1: of course. If you don't have your head up your ass, you are going to going to detest right yeah, in any form. And that because level of, of my
0: experiences, I don't have the luxury of you know, as Liam Neeson said in Batman Begins, society's understanding. It's, it's, it's lost on me, okay? Yeah. And in this world, we need to have people of, you know, let's say perhaps the liberal or progressive mindset that can afford to see the rainbow in all of its colors or in the many, many shades of gray. And we also need to have people that see things in black and white. Yeah, a okay? little,
1: little pragmatism goes a long way.
0: Right. Yeah. And sometimes in life, okay, you're, you're naive if you think otherwise or someone's trying to sell you something that there isn't a time for, for people to do bad things, okay? Yeah. Because, look, we're all just chimps throwing shit at each other at the end of the day. <laughs> I refuse to believe in this, this, this halo that the human race wears. We're animals, okay? Yeah. And you can either follow an orderly society and be decent to each other, or you can be a shitbag criminal or a terrorist or whatever. These are, these are life choices, you yeah. know? Yeah. And you should be held accountable.
2: Pardon my French, but you're an asshole!
1: Hard to make an argument against that today. It truly is. You know? Yep. It truly
0: is. And on that note, <laughs> I think it's time for a middle jam.
1: Let's do a pivot.
0: Woo! Let's get out of this. We were just like at, Jesus. At World Whoa. War One and the psalm in, in the trenches. That's how big we <laughs> dug ourselves there. Well, following on on your lead and our theme for today with the Rolling Stones jam, yeah. I'm going to go with my favorite Rolling Stones jam, which we'll make apparent when we come back from... Listening to it as we start yes. the subtopic. Yes. Uh, here we go with Rolling Stones doing Get Off of My Cloud. And we'll be right back in a couple more minutes with some things and stuff.
1: I said, "Hey, you! Hey, you! Get off of my cloud!
0: <laughs> you buzz killing motherfucker! You! Well, not always. Sometimes I'm fun. And I went with this song because, yeah, you know, we were both thinking, obviously. Yeah, was it the cat out of the well, bag it's, it's, about? Yeah, it's Charlie kind of Lott's.
1: interesting that the the Stones gems we chose were pretty much from the same era. Yes. Yeah, Get Off My Cloud uh, was released in September of '65." Nice. And, uh, yeah, it was right around that time, you know, the Stones were touring the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's interesting um, what they came up with for songs, mm-hmm. you know, after doing said tours. And uh, yeah, it's 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 funny that we we pulled songs from the same era, because yep. God knows with the with the Stones the oh, catalog forget about is it monstrous, just monstrous. I mean, yep. you have the Stones of the '60s, uh-huh. distinctly different from the Stones of the '70s, distinctly different
0: from the Stones of the '80s. Yep, yeah, you know, Stones of the '80s were a trip. Well,
1: that's why the, the Stones
0: are one of only two groups that I have three episodes of the Classic Rock Showcase for because yeah. yeah. the catalogue is just massive. Oh yeah. And the songs, by and large, are, are kind of short. Not as short as the Beatles. Yeah. But kind of short. So you could fit a lot in oh, yeah. an hour. Well, they're,
1: they're, you know, they were the masters of singles. They came out of that era mm-hmm. you know in the nineteen sixties where every song had to be three minutes right. you know in length or less. Yep. And uh, and you know not to not to uh diverge from the theme, but obviously You know, we're talking about the Stones because of the passing of Charlie Watts. Indeed. Uh, You know, Charles Robert Watts at 80 years old uh, has passed. And, you know, again, pre-show, we were talking about, you know, what that means to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what registered to me was, you know, in my entire life, the Stones have always been there. Right. You know, they've always been there. I mean, you know, they were formed as a band in 1962. They, you know, put out their first album in 64, which... You know, is so rare, but was an instant hit, um, both in the UK and then eventually, you know, here, and they're an institution. You right. know, and uh, and I think you know, not just touching on the fact that Charlie has passed, but it, it is, uh, I guess, sent a message. It sent a sent a bit of perspective that this institution, you know, may soon come to an end. Yeah, you know, and it it kind of makes you stop. It kind of makes you, you know, look pause around, and, and look then here around. it comes exactly <laughs> the nineteenth <there> was breakdown. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, and 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 again, you know, growing up, um, you know, I first stumbled across the Stones. I think as as most people do, as you know, the evil twin of the mm-hmm. Beatles. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, and they far far surpassed. You know, the Beatles came to an end, an abrupt end you know, about 1970 or so, and the Stones kept going. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, even though there were obviously times, particularly in the mid-'80s, where it looked like the Stones might be coming to an end, you know, they kept going. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, okay, you know, what's going to stop these guys? It's okay when they drop dead.
0: Yeah. You know? And and they were totally at peace with that, too. It
1: seems so. I mean, well, they're blue scholars. All of them are blue scholars. Even Charlie. Charlie was a huge jazz aficionado. But I think... You know, from the music that they loved and and the ethic that they took from it was they decided, you know, maybe consciously, maybe not, maybe unconsciously, Mm -hmm. they're just going to play until they die. Right. You know, they're going to keep going. I mean, they were about to pick up the No Filter Tour in the fall Mm -hmm. and get back out on the road. Sure. And I mean, you know, to put it in perspective, you know, Charlie was 80 when he passed, Mick 78, Keith 77, you know. Ronnie Wood, the baby of the band, is 74. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys, you know, like I said, you know, the ethic is we're going to keep going until we drop. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a crazy thing.
0: You know, you said a, a funny thing about how the, uh, like the Rolling Stones were the, were the bad boys versus the Beatles, you know, yeah. pop sensibilities. And as I said many times on, on this podcast before, you know, when you get into classic rock, you decide right up front, or you need to decide right up front, are you a Beatles fan or a Stones fan? <laughs> yeah, and me, I was so. the who. Yeah. There's
1: only three things you can do with a giant kid. Lift weights, play cards, or get into
0: trouble. What did you do? Me? I read. But it's, 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 it's different for everybody. Indeed.
1: Indeed. But, yeah, there's, there's some universal truths here. You know, I mean, again, the Stones were uh, the pillar. And, you know, who you inevitably... Uh, measure everybody else up to. Right, you right. Know? And, uh, and, you know, it's interesting to me just the eras that these guys have, have surpassed. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, you know, back in the early 1980s being like 13 years old and like, you know, mowing lawns and working at the vegetable stand across the street so I could screw together enough money.
2: I mean, here I am, this little kid I can't even see over the steering wheel, and I'm parking Cadillacs.
1: To 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 pick up the Still Life Tour live album, yep, you know, yep. that came out in, I think it was 82, uh-huh. you know, and, it, and you know, a year or two later, I remember my summer, you know, part of my summer soundtrack was It's Only Rock and Roll, right? you know, for whatever reason, God knows I don't remember it now, you know. <laughs> well, you but, can pick a uh, worse soundtrack. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I remember being like 14 or 15 years old and getting drunk on Budweiser, you know, and listening <laughs> to It's Only Rock and Roll, you know. I mean, the Stones, like I said, have always been there. Right. You know, with Charlie passing, you know, the idea that they might not be here that much longer. Mm -hmm. You know, even though they were going out on this, you know, the rest of the No Filter tour, Charlie wasn't going to make it. You Mm -hmm. know, they had already announced that. Um, But it's just, it's an odd shot of perspective. Right. It really is. I mean, I remember
0: when I was little, little, and uh, my sister, who's five years older than me, had begged and pleaded for my father to take her to the Rolling Stones. Uh, I think it was about 1980. It was off the Tattoo You tour um, to go see him in, in Philly. Nice. And he was like, all right, well, if you get you know, straight A's or whatever, because he did not want to do this. <laughs> I mean, he didn't want to go to a Stones concert number one. He didn't want to... Bring my thirteen-year-old sister along right, as well, right? But he's like, "All right, get straight A's," and uh, okay, well, we'll go. Yeah. Sure enough, she did. God bless her. Nice. And uh, you know, they went. And I remember distinctly his mindset. Now keep in mind, my, my father was a military man. His his plan Bs had plan Bs, right? So he was ready for anything. And I remember him <laughs> stocking up on food and water yep. and toilet paper and putting it into the, the back of the car, like this could potentially turn into another Woodstock, right? Yeah, yeah. And they had a great time. He even had a great time, and he fell in love with uh, George Thorogood, who at nice. that point it was, was now right yeah. was opening after you know Prince, yeah, wasn't the Prince thing, yeah, <laughs> the Ugh. Prince thing. Yeah. Um Yeah, and I just... It, it it ingrained in my head from that point that the Stones were cool, yeah. okay? Because yeah. if the older sister was into it, it was cool. Oh, yeah. And the same person that turned me on to, you know, the Cars. Right. And, you know, some Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, Bob Seger. This was like my earliest musical influences, really. Nice. Um, So for me, from that point on, I always considered the Rolling Stones cool. Right. And even though I wasn't a huge... um you know, devotee of, of all their albums and everything. Yeah. I always liked their their music. And the thing that I always liked about the Rolling Stones is that they never gave a shit what anybody else was doing. This is true. You would never hear Mick Jagger have, like, a catty, you know, argument about some other lead singer and some other band. Yep. They did not give a shit. No, they were, they were the so, Rolling Stones. They were so far above that. And that's what made them cool is that yeah. they knew it, and they didn't have to lower themselves to yeah. every other band in the world, yep. basically, yep. you know? yeah. So, yeah. It's it's
1: yeah, it's absolutely incredible to me that uh, again going from you know the summer of '82, you know, and trying to screw together a couple of dollars here and there to get mm-hmm. the still life album, you know, fast forward to you know the late 1980s, seeing this massive, massive show at the Coliseum in Los Angeles, yep. you know, and at, at that point the Stones had become this this monstrous thing, you know, and it was just you know it was breathtaking. Right, you know, and it and it gives you a shot of perspective. Sure, you know, it truly does. You know, and I remember being at the Los Angeles Coliseum and seeing seeing this monster monster show. I think it was Voodoo Lounge, mm-hmm. you know, and remembering, you know, back in the day, you know, trying to scrape together enough bread to you know right. to pick up this small album. And now here I am with eighty thousand people,
0: sure. you know, digging on this thing,
1: and uh, and you know, from that point on, they kept going.
0: Right, they just kept going. And even back, you know, in our young man school days, <laughs> yeah. remember we all had those those denim covered binders that yep. we found. Yeah. Like, who among us didn't draw the Rolling Stones lips oh, on, God, on the front yeah. of that? It was like oh, yeah. you had to put that on there. or Something. Well, that <laughs> was
1: another thing too. Is like they were immune to giving a shit if they offended anybody. Yes. You know, I I do have a vague memory when the Black and Blue album came out, and uh, I think it was seventy five or seventy six. You know, they they had a run of billboards of. A girl in a BDSM mm-hmm. kind of position tied up, and it was like you know, the impression was I'm black and blue because of the Rolling <laughs> Stones. And of course, they pissed off all sorts sure, of people about like that, sure. you know, and flat out didn't care, yeah. you know. Or when the, the Some Girls album came out in 1978, there was something about I know one of the, the songs, I think, was Some Girls, where they like you know, kind of uh, offensively talked about some of the girls they'd met on tour and whatnot. Sure. And pissed off everybody, and they just flat out didn't fucking care. Didn't care. No. You know, I remember they did an appearance on Saturday Night Live where I think Mick, like, tongued Ronnie's throat during the, <laughs> during the song. And again, everybody freaked out. They didn't give a shit, you know. Or, or, as a matter of fact, that, uh, that uh, 81 tour that they did, uh, there was a big pay-per-view event, you mm-hmm. know, back when pay-per-view was a big deal. right of uh I think they were playing in I think they played Giant Stadium mm-hmm. and uh you that know it might have actually
0: predated pay-per-view that might have been close circuit
1: could could <laughs> quite possibly have been you know and uh and, uh, you know, they open the show with uh, Under My Thumb, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is, you know, if you're a hashtag Me Too person, very sure. really offensive song. Sure. And, uh, you know, at the you know, when they finished the song, Mick was like, you know, welcome, Virginia. Welcome, Hampton. And, you know, welcome to everybody on TV watching at home. You know, hoping you're having a, you know, a good time, drinking a few beers, smoking a few joints. Right. And everybody was like, oh, my God. He said, smoking joints. Holy shit. You yeah. know? And now that kind of behavior is passe. Yep. You know, but at the time, and I'm sure he did it on purpose, you know, everything Mick Jagger has ever done has been calculated. Sure. You know, he is a smart fucking guy Mm -hmm. and always has been. You know, and I'm sure he did that just to piss a few people off. Right. You know, but, you know, they are the epitome of the axiom that all publicity is good publicity. Right. You know, even the bad shit, who cares,
0: you know? And every Beatles song is only a, a beer and a shot away from being a Rolling Stones exactly. song. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It just depends and, on your mindset at the time. <laughs>
1: yes. And, you know, for a band, um, you know, who gets popular, how many of your guys can become iconic? Right, You know, Mick Jagger is the iconic lead singer. Yep. You know, Keith Richards, you know, what can you say about Keith? Right. You know, Keith died 20 years ago. Only nobody told
0: Keith, you know. <laughs> and Mick defies convention because he goes against the um, the phenomenon known as the, the blonde Jesus oh, yeah. lead singer yeah. of the, you know, the Robert Plants and the David Lee Roths and all that. That's, Very much That's so. what you have to have, you know. Yeah. Just a survivor, and who doesn't respect the hell out of that? Yeah, and you have to, you know?
1: And Charlie was one of the pillars. Yes. You know, one of the pillars. You know, Mick was a pillar. Keith is a pillar. You know, I guess Ronnie Wood now, even though he wasn't an original member of the band, has Mm -hmm. become one of the pillars. Sure. Bill Wyman, who you know, retired years ago to marry a 14-year-old or something like that. <laughs> Still married, though. Yeah, you know, and, and who could get away with that but a Rolling Stone? Sure, sure. You well, know? Jerry Lee Lewis. But, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, she was his cousin. So, <laughs> you know, come on. But, uh, but you know, the, the the things these guys have done and, and what they've accomplished, I mean, it's, it's kind of redundant to talk about it, but, I mean, 30 studio albums, 33 live albums... 32 box sets, mm-hmm. you know, 77 music videos, you know. Right.
0: These guys
1: are in a class by themselves.
0: And I would just mention, you know, my, my favorite, I only know a few, but my, my favorite Charlie Watts story, which has been getting passed around. Yeah, and when he punched
1: Mick out. Right, yeah. it's yeah.
0: been passed around. I've already heard like three different versions of it. <laughs> but as I was always told from a relatively responsible source, um, you know, Mick was drunk in the lobby of the hotel and he was ringing Charlie Watts' room. In the middle of the night Come on yeah. now We gotta practice Or yeah, do whatever And Charlie Watts Gets up Puts on a suit A
1: suit, <laughs> a suit. Yes And this was This was during the, the, the era in the 1980s Where apparently Charlie was crippled By like drug And alcohol right. abuses And yet he still
0: rallied Rallied You know Puts on a fucking suit In the middle yeah. of the night Comes downstairs Punches big Jack In the face Fucking Mick Yeah And says I'm not your drummer You're my singer Yeah Yeah <laughs> And yeah,
1: if you know anything of the biography of Charlie Watts, that's a very believable story. Yep. You know, he was never uh, enamored by what the Rolling Stones were. You know, he was a jazz aficionado. Mm-hmm. You know, in one of his one of his interviews, God, I don't remember the era or the time, but he was quoted as saying, When I first joined the band, I figured they'd last a week. Right. You know. Charlie was the accomplished player
0: right. that they all looked up to. Yeah, he wasn't like a, a madman on the drum set, like a Keith Moon no. or a Ginger Baker. But he kept he he, he ran the ship. You yeah. know, he steered the bus. He ran the ship. Well, he did it, something conceptually that
1: a lot of people, a lot of musicians don't don't follow. He served the song. You know, it wasn't about him. It wasn't mm-hmm. about you Good know point. the the Keith Richards or excuse me the Keith Moon thing or the John Bonham thing. Mm-hmm. It was about the song thing. You know, he was all about serving the song. Right. And uh, if you're a musician and you're looking for people to play with you, those are the kind of guys you're looking for. Sure. You know, they're not about self-aggrandizing mm-hmm. whatever it is they're doing. They're all about the song.
0: And maybe that's why the Stones, at least to my knowledge, never had any of these classic feuds over the yeah. years that caused them to break up or yeah. anything. Yeah, at least
1: not with Charlie. Right. You know, Mick and, Mick and Keith had a pretty good row in the 1980s, but still, they came out of it mm-hmm. and... You know, soldiered on. Right. Um, but yeah, you need guys like that in your band. You really do. And if mm. you've got a guy like that in your band, you hang on to him. You know, because the, the, again, a pillar. Yep. You know, and, and that is Charlie Watts' legacy as far as I'm concerned.
0: And sadly, he's the, the first of many because a lot of these uh, classic rock musicians that we've spent our whole lives listening to, yeah. they're all in their 70s now. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be like dominoes, one after the other.
1: Most likely. Most likely. But uh, if that's going to be the way, that's going to be the way. That's the way it works. Right. That's the uh, way of the
0: world. Nobody lives forever, but the music does. See? So they have that.
1: Very good point. Very good point. And, uh, and yeah, that's the bottom line right there. It really is. So... Charlie Watts, rest in peace. Godspeed,
0: Charlie. Thank you for the music. Absolutely. So let's do one more little gem homage in a completely different vein. Oh, and
1: this is so tasty. This this, this to me is the epitome
0: of a gem. Wow. Yes. He's never said that before, folks. (laughs) Yes, he has. Uh, But I'm actually going to agree with him this time. Stumbled across this because we were going to do I'm Free by the Soup Dragons, because that's a Rolling Stones cover. And it's an okay song, but it doesn't really jazz us up. And then as we were shopping around on the interwebs, we came across this aptly named gem by um, a group called the New Model Army featuring Tom Jones.
1: You know, this blows up the tasty scale. It does. It It,
0: it kind of does. It's easily an 11.3 at least. No, 11.5. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, let's just, (laughs) yeah, let's, let's do it. And uh, we'll talk about it in a minute when we come back right after this. kids. That, that is a gem. That's a gem right there. And I don't know if it's, it's the Tom Jones vocals that, that do it, or this, uh, this group, the New Model Army, which was impressive. Um, it's just the Tom Jones presence. You it know? could be. The gravitas that he brings. Yes. yes.
1: Gravitas is a good way to put it. Uh, obviously, that was Gimme Shelter. It yep. was the opening track from, uh, from Let It Bleed, mm. which in and of itself was you know, a landmark, landmark Stones album. Right. And uh, the Tom chose that song to cover is just, that's just stunning. It's just, like I said, it's the epitome of a gem. Yep. It really is. Well you done. Know? Glad we picked it. Yeah. All and, right. Uh, <laughs> that's all there is to say. That's right all there is there. to say. It really is. is. How do you follow up with that? You, just, <laughs> you don't. So Anyway. Anyhow. What do we got
0: going on in Big Boom Radio this week, John? Holy shit. We got so much going on. It's crazy. All right. Let's just go through the list. Let's let's see. For our wrestling fans out there, don't forget, we are, in fact, sponsoring another one of their um, pay-per-views, I guess you want to call it, for Blitzkrieg Pro Wrestling. This one is called Eat the Meek. It goes off on September 18th. Eat the Meek? Eat the Meek. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. And uh, I'm not gonna be able to make it to this one, but I'll probably catch the next one. Um, just because I'm getting pulled in so many directions. <laughs> Such as you no know No rest for the wicked, John. No rest for the wicked. This podcast has now passed the nineteen hundred download wow. mark. Wow. And it's just yeah, it's it's getting more popular with, with with every day. And you know, I just I went in and I, I did a little research. I'm not real big on the whole drilling down and seeing where yeah. every listener is and all this. And, yeah. But I came up with the, um, the top five cities that, that are listening to okay. us. So I think we should give them a shout-out. For their, their patronage. Yes. Um, and we'll go in reverse order because uh, number five is actually a tie between two European cities. Really? Yes. All right. Never would have thought in a million years. Uh, it's a tie between Dublin, Ireland, okay, and Brussels, Belgium. Nice.
1: Who'd have thought? Nice. Right. To all the good folks. So in, we're in, very in, big in, in, in the Ireland and whiskey Belgium. and chocolate
0: yeah. segment of yeah. society. Thank
1: you for listening, guys. <laughs> Thank you for being there. All right. So we
0: got angry men and depressed women. Love us <laughs> over there in Europe. <laughs> which is great. Jeez. All right. And uh, scooting up the ladder um, yes. over in California. True to your heart. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, My it, old it's, hometown. Yes. It's not. San Francisco, and it's okay. not L.A. However, it's, it's
1: San Jose. The good people of San Jose. The good
0: people of San Jose nice. like whatever the frig it is we're doing. Go All figure.
1: Right. All right.
0: After that, a uh, little nod and uh, t- tip of the hat to Middle America. Okay. Potatoes and Permanente Brothers sandwiches. The good city of Pittsburgh. The city of Bridges. Nice. Is a big bastion of listeners. Nice. To the hardworking people of Pittsburgh. Right. Nice. Thank you so much. And then uh, closer to home up here, Providence, Rhode Island. All right. Which I think is more of just like a local pop kind of yep. thing. Yep. Word of mouth yep. and whatnot. So yeah, I, I, we, that one kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah, we hang in Providence. We do. Right. And then, uh, you yeah, know, almost you would expect it. Good old New York City. Nice. Number one listener base. And of course, honorable mentions to uh, Chicago, Milwaukee, Kansas City. Okay. Not much in Texas. Really. Which you would think my I'm my sure. my rants would go I'm over sure. big in Texas, but yeah, not so maybe,
1: much. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows?
0: But truth be told, we've got listeners everywhere from Australia to India to Indonesia. Yeah. Um, Jakarta, for some reason, is, is a big town too. I Listen feel good about this. I do. Jakarta. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so yeah. Whatever, we're man. We're doing something right. <laughs> we're, we're doing appe- something right. If we're appealing to the good folks in Jakarta. Oof, go yes. figure.
1: But to everybody, thank you for thank you for coming on board. Thank yes. you for listening.
0: And almost as as a reward of sorts for the, right. the listeners of Big Boom Radio. We're doing something special this coming Labor Day weekend. All right. It's the first annual Big Boom Radio Rockathon. Ow. In which we're playing back to back to back to back, so on and so forth, episodes of the Classic Rock Showcase. Nice. From A to Z on Saturday all through Sunday. Throwing down. Woof. And I tell you what, it was tough to choose because we got about 130 episodes of that show in the kitty. Okay. I had to choose 48. That must have been tough. Forty-eight of my closest friends, near I... and dear to my heart, <laughs> got the nod. So they're Good kind so. of in alphabetical order. Okay. So if people want, they can figure out you know what's in there. I mean, I could just publish a list, but that's no fun. Now nah. make us your soundtrack for the weekend when you're barbecuing and and relaxing. Because look, we've all labored this year. This shit. Even those of us that have stayed home, it, it's been a labor just dealing with everything. Oh yeah. So pop. Open a few, and by a few I mean at least a case. uh, Cook up some dogs and burgers on the grill, and just have yourself a good old time. Hey, man,
1: if you're still standing and you're relatively sane after this last year, you've earned it. You've earned it.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, so all that is going on Um, in the coming weeks, or maybe even like next episode, we got some exciting behind the scenes corporate news for Ho. Boom radio Ho. and a uh, new endeavor that they're going to be part of. So we'll, we'll wait until that's all yeah. dust settled and whatnot. Right. So that's about it for this timely episode. Yeah. I enjoy doing it. It was fun. I feel better. It's almost like a, an hour of therapy. I, I do indeed. <laughs> I do indeed. I'm
1: with you on that one, Johnny.
0: All right. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. As always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see us all on the flip side.